Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Have you ever just thought to yourself, why me? Why is life so unfair? What do other people see? When they watch me walk by, when I catch my reflection, people run like I have a contagious infection. But it's not my mental health. I know that can be crushing. I'm talking about plaque psoriasis. Bet you didn't see that coming. I'm sick of the judgment, the discomfort and itching. Vitama Cream is the once daily steroid-free treatment I know I've been missing. Vitama Tapinarov Cream 1% is a prescription topical treatment for adults with plaque psoriasis. Do not use if you're allergic to Vitama Cream. The most common side effects of Vitama Cream include red raised bumps around the hair pores, pain or swelling in the nose and throat, skin rash or irritation, including itching and redness, peeling, burning or stinging, headache, itching and flu. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take and if you're pregnant or plan to be. Ask your doctor if Vitama Cream is right for you. You deserve more from your topical. To learn more, visit topicaluprising.com. A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for the Axon Bulletin. And positivity 
Natasha, you've been doing a wee bit of um, fan engagement last night to see what can we talk about today that is positive in the world of Celtic. Did you manage to come up with anything at all? <laughs> I have, yeah. I got plenty of feedback um, and the sort of overarching comment of positivity, which I promised to feed back on here, was that it can't possibly get any worse. <laughs> now, to me, I'm not sure that's how we should lead with the positivity. And it seems a little bit like tempting fate, to be honest, because at each turn, Celtic are seeming to surprise us by making it worse than we could imagine. But here we are. Um but aside from that, there were other positives coming through that I had to focus on last night to take my mind off the doom and gloom that we were seeing. Um, and there were positives. You know, we can mm-hmm. lead with that. Why not? We can lead with the positives that, you know, I thought Turnbull looked good again. Turnbull and Sorrow in the middle of the park seemed to be like a winning for- formation that we can we can build on or at least keep as part of a hopeful rebuild. Um, some of the youngsters that came on looked all right. Um you know, without being too harsh, I don't think Harper did. Um, I don't think he did himself too many favours in the in the first half. But then, you know, maybe Oakleflex and Dembele looked okay when they came on. Um, Mikey Johnson coming back from from injury is definitely a positive. Um, I thought some of the younger ones had a bit of drive, a bit of energy, a bit of push, and maybe maybe that's that's what we need. Um, it was certainly interesting to see, you know, a player of experience and time at the club like Rogic being subbed in favour of the youngsters um, mm-hmm. but maybe that's the direction we need to go in um, and it is positive to see some of the young boys coming through so so we can take that from it at least You know when you're looking at that, it's a discussion that's crept in to the, the Axon Bulletin over the last few weeks when we're looking at the future, we're looking at this potential rebuild that you described there Natasha, and when you look at the, the team line last night, Henderson 20, Turnbull 21 Welsh 20, Frimpong only 20, sometimes you forget that Hazard uh, 22, Sorrow 22, Johnson 21 and then the debuts for Harper 19, Okaflex 18 and of course we also had Dembele coming in there so you know 10 players under the age of 22 mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence do you think that is the future for Celtic under all the circumstances we are dealing with um, we're talking about a rebuild we're talking about new managers coming in we'll get to uh, those in charge of the club at some point during the bulletin but is it not about time I mean the question I would ask looking at last night if that was a full strength Celtic side uh, under Neil Lennon would it have been any better I think that the only thing they lacked was something up top. Uh, they cut an edge up top yesterday. I don't think, you know, Harper wasn't the best, but he ran his heart out since uh, his first team debut. <laughs> uh, one shot he could maybe have cut back. I, I don't think they write him off after uh, after that. No. He, he didn't have a lot to help him up top. He, could, he would have benefited, you know. I think there'd be somebody talking through the game. Welsh looked at the more accomplished of the two centre-halves, I thought. But saying that, I thought Duffy did his best game in ages until... Till the end, so obviously he didn't cover himself in glory. But yeah, we, we want to see young players getting developed. Is it the future? Is it back to the future? It's what we used to do to develop young players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to make mistakes in games. We understand that. Like you said Frimpong, you know, we forget he's only 20. We can see his games improve. He still needs to work on his, his final ball, but he's definitely improving as a player. Tumble and Sorrow. 22-21 yeah Natasha's touched on it that's that's something that just works they just work together well in the midfield uh, Callum in a bit of a quiet again mm-hmm. 
maybe he's uh, all the football's catching up on him. I don't know. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of positives. Would it have been different? It's a full strength team. The Griffith Eddie up front, would it have been different? Have you got 90 minutes out of the two of them this season? That's, that is the point. I'm not going to talk about one game. I'm just talking I know this is a big thing because you try and this was the whole point Natasha you do try and look at the positives and I'm looking at the young players there uh, and I'm not talking about the ones who have already established themselves like Mikey Johnson within the first team squad you like Frimpong Turnbull etc but if we could get one or two of the others um, to stay you know if it sticks for one or two of them I I like Henderson everything I've seen in Henderson I I really do like I I agree with you Lawrence Welsh last night there was a few occasions where you could see him organising Laxalt at set pieces uh, there's a guy that's played in World Cup finals and is an AC Milan player and young Welsh was kind of shepherding him through set pieces so that for me is a positive but then again some of the old Celtic traits crept in near the end of the game it's so frustrating because you know you're looking at that at one nothing, thinking at least we've not lost anything any further ground um, only the most positive and hopefully Celtic fans think that we can catch Rangers at this moment in time but you've got to keep it alive for as long as possible yet we've dropped another couple of points and then after the game you know it's the post-mortem you put out a bulletin straight away and it's the post-mortem I mean we peaked at 3,800 live uh, last night on, on the bulletin the Celtic fans are unhappy understandably for huge amounts of reasons not just drawing one each with Hibs at Celtic Park that's almost like a sideshow these days um, but the feeling I'm getting is you know we're at the point of no return and that's why I'm asking is it time for the club to give Celtic fans answers because I don't think we know where we go next what is the strategy Um, and Natasha you know we've come in for a huge amount of criticism I think a lot of it um, is deserved in relation to the Dubai trip. I'm going to ask Lawrence for his views because he said a a wee bit of time to think about it you know now that we have all the information to hand, we know that we lost 13 players last night as a result of it. We know that Lenny was having to speak to Ockerflex through his AirPods as a result of these things. And, you know, it's about time I feel that the club come out and engage with the fans. I mean, do you see it happening, Natasha? Because the longer this goes on, the more disconnected we feel. Yeah, it's something I talked about um, with people online last night, is that are we actually going to see the club come out and take some ownership of this? And I think the answer is no. You mean, you saw it in the statement that they released immediately after it came out about the 13 players who are going to need to isolate. They were already justifying their own mm. actions. They were already back covering. They were already saying, well, this could have happened in, in Scotland. It didn't have anything to do with Dubai. It could have happened in Scotland. It could but the fact is that it didn't and it happened because we took an injured player halfway around the world he caught COVID and then we sat him on a plane with the rest of the team for seven hours on a flight home that's how it happened so yes maybe someone could have caught it in Scotland but that's not the case and you know, and then we have Brown come out today again justifying the Dubai trip again justifying the forces of him sitting at the pool so I think we're seeing where the narrative's going with this the club mm-hmm. are just going to keep back covering. They're just going to keep justifying their own actions. And we're not going to get anything by way of answer. I thought it was um, interesting, a couple of tweets that um, JP put out this morning, um, the Celtic SLO, about the proposed 
review that may or may not have taken place. You know, fans are quite rightly asking him, where is the outcome of this review? What has happened? And he was quite honest and said, you know, they committed to doing a review back in November. That means that the outcome should be communicated to the fans in January. I mean, you used the word should. So mm. that's quite right. It should be. Whether it will be is a completely different story. Um, and I accept that it's hard to communicate with a fan base of 60,000, but it is time for us to get answers and it's for the club to work out how to do that. No, you're right, because we've seen a, a story appearing in a, a tabloid um, newspaper from Dermot Desmond, apparently back in Neil Lennon. And we asked the question on here, is this the update? Has the review taken place? Is that the update? And the very fact that we have to answer, uh, sorry, ask the question shows that the engagement's not right because we simply don't know. So it's interesting that JP's coming out. Uh, what a job he's got at the moment, eh? JP Taylor. Uh, coming yeah. out <laughs> to try and, and appease the Celtic fans because that's what he's trying to do. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's going to a gunfight with a bread knife, you know, on, on Twitter. Um, when you think about it now in the cold light of day Lawrence Celtic are coming out I think uh, Gavin Strachan was asked the question about regrets he says only regret is that Julien contracted the virus I would have felt as though a wee bit more regret uh, a wee bit more um, ownership uh, should have been forthcoming from Celtic Lawrence what's your thoughts? Uh, I don't expect anything more from Celtic in a moment than uh, short statements with zero engagement. Really, what do you expect the Celtic just now to really communicate this? Does anyone expect anything more from them? Do you expect any fan engagement? I do. I do. No, no. Is that the triumph of hope over experience? No, I just think that as a football fan, your expectation level of a club the size of Celtic, we keep getting told that we're an elite club. They try and sell us this um, Champions League club dream as well. You've got to engage with fans. And even more so, Lawrence, I think what you're saying is, would you expect it based on previous performance? No, I don't, because I think the PR uh, has been shambolic. So, no, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I don't expect it, but we should expect it. We should. The standard should be set by a club like Celtic, whereby they're engaging with their fans, and particularly during these times, we've just entered another lockdown, um, which is the reason why we're all in different places talking um, online. So I, I would expect it, yeah. But based on their previous track record and the, the non-dealings I've had with the club, it's no surprise. They don't seem to be very coherent communication strategy. You know, they don't seem to game anything out. They don't say, if we say this, what is the reactions going to be? What is our next statement? Mm-hmm. They just seem to release something and think, see what happens, and then they decide what we're going to It just doesn't seem to be any long-term strategy. If you want to reflect across the city, then the Rangers players went to the party. Rangers engaged with the Scottish government immediately, and both of them came out and released statements at the same time. There's nothing, you know, there's a complete disparity there from what Celtic isn't that it's it doesn't seem to be anything at all from them that's kind of joined up thinking well I was watching the game obviously and then commenting it full time and at half time and I see a wee bit of stick coming in for Andy Walker Andy Walker was brutal towards Celtic did you see it Natasha he was absolutely mm-hmm. brutal mm-hmm. I don't know if you're watching on Celtic TV or but I mean that 
I've got to admit, you know, when Andy Walker played in the centenary season, um, he was a bit of a fan's favourite. I thought he was brilliant at that time. He was prolific. It was a great season. But a lot of Celtic fans put him in a category with a few other pundits, to be fair, because they think that he's he, he goes in too hard on Celtic. And I'm not here to, to fight Andy Walker's corner. What I would say last night, though, is that I felt he spoke very, very well. I thought it was from the heart. But what was interesting for me was that he said there's an arrogance at the club. Now, it's horrible to think that our football club has been called arrogant. And that's by an ex-player. He said, you know, this is not the club that I played for. But you know what? I actually agreed with everything Andy Walker said, Natasha. I mean, is there an arrogance that's crept into our football club? There seems to be. Um, And, you know, I agree with you and I agree with Andy Walker. He, he was right last night. He was brutal, but he was accurately summarising the feeling of the fans. I mean, he said at one point, the supporters can't see their families and the Celtic squad can jet off to Dubai and have drinks in the sun. And he said, that's not the club I played for. And, you know, he's right. That's exactly how it looks. You know, I can't see, you know, my family, I can't see my friends. I can't, you know, do, I can't even go to a pub for a drink and they can fly halfway around the world and have a drink by a pool. And I get that it was, you know, within the rules at the time or whatever, but it's how it looks. And it looks arrogant. It looks like they think that they can do what they want because they're under this elite sport and exception. And then you have them backing it up with Brown saying, oh, we get time off. We're allowed to lie in the sunbeds. It doesn't look good. You know, look what the fans are going through right now. Look how the way the country is struggling through a lockdown. Take some ownership of the fact that it doesn't look good. You know, have a bit of humility. We're struggling right now. We're struggling with the fact that our team are 21 points behind in a league. And there's absolutely no humility coming from, or ownership coming from anyone in the club or the squad. No, you're right. And and again, that's coming back to the main headline. Is it time for the club to give Celtic fans answers? Uh, we'll come back to the football. There's a few other things to discuss about the football. But I think, uh, Lawrence, you've, you raised the question, how best do they do it? Now, Celtic obviously have access to all the facilities. And I think they're probably operating on a skeleton staff at the moment because of the circumstances. But they have the facilities, they have the profile, and they have the platforms to be able to engage with fans. But the problem with that, I feel, is that it's going to be a watered-down version anyway because all the questions are going to be vetted. Um, you know, They're going to have final editorial over it and therefore the, the true questions are not going to be asked and the true answers are certainly not going to be given. So we said on this podcast before, wouldn't it be great if Peter Lowell spoke to the fans? In fact, why not speak to us? We've interviewed loads of people over the years. Neil Lennon actually popped up on my Facebook last night when I got in from the game. Um, three years ago it was that I interviewed Neil Lennon. Um, Lawrence, you'll remember it. I think you were there. So I interviewed Neil Lennon. And what I, I thought about Neil Lennon at that time, he was a manager of Hibs, Natasha. And he flew back from Portugal because, ironically enough, Hibs were on a, a winter break in Portugal at the time. And he flew back and I found him engaging. He was warm. He was intelligent. He was funny. Um, and I just, you know, at the end of it, he did confide in me that he would love to come back and he felt that he would be back at Celtic someday as a manager. He was a manager of the Hibs at the time. But what he also told us was that there had been a breach um, and several players had uh, breached a curfew over in Portugal, uh, which led to the sacking or the release of Anthony Stokes. So there was a culture at the club. There was a culture at the club at that time, which... 
Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Was being managed by Neil Lennon, whereby players and the way that they went about their business wasn't quite right. And I just, when that popped up yesterday, it took me back. And then I'm looking at the situation just now, and I'm thinking that there is a culture. There is a culture, and there's a, a culture of, you know, we're too big to be answering your questions, Natasha. You know, we're too arrogant to, to answer all these questions that are being levied at us. But as a supporter, I'm now looking at the situation whereby when is the renewals going to come through? I think it was about March last year. When is that going to happen? What's the feeling of the Celtic support largely at the time that you do that launch? And what is the response going to be? So between now and then, I think it would be a good move, a good PR move somehow for the club to speak or reach out to the fans and what I've said already during the charity weekend is that we had a business we had two businesses actually who gave us a bounty almost of 10 grand and we said to the club we'll give this to the charities if you give us an interview with Peter Lowell some people scoffed at that said it was attention seeking it wasn't it was actually trying to raise cash for charity but um, they didn't say no the club didn't say no we were to revisit it in January so they like coming back to things in January, obviously. Um, so that revisiting email has been sent, and we've basically said that in December, a Celtic state of mind went out over various platforms to over 1 million, mostly Celtic fans. Last night, yesterday, our figures topped 90,000 across all platforms. That's one day. So there is a platform where you're speaking to a wide range of Celtic supporters, I get that it might not be live. I get that he's not going to field questions randomly from comments coming in, but surely we can have an interview. It's not as if we're going to try um, and do the dirty on anybody. We're going to have to ask challenging questions. Um, but as I say, Axom has a history and a reputation for interviewing people like John Barnes or Neil Lennon or Ronnie Dyla. You know, not a number, a number of ex-Celtic employees, players, staff. So we've put that to them. Lawrence. Um, now people think your your head's in the clouds, but under the circumstances, the club needs to do something. You've said it's going to be challenging questions. It really shouldn't be for a club with Celtics resources. They should be able to sit down and game this out. What's the issues? What questions are going to be asked? If they're asked that and they respond this, how is that going to be taken? They should be able to sit and plan all this out. But they just don't seem to have any plan. They just seem to release a statement and go, that'll be it. That statement didn't go down well. Didn't like that. I just shove it something else. And it's just total reactive. There's no proactive communication, no strategy of what they're trying to achieve in the release of statement. Mm-hmm. Have they actually got any aims for that statement? Other than going, people are a bit annoyed about this, we'll release a statement. Right, but what do you want to achieve with this statement? What do you want the outcome to be here? 
and there doesn't seem to be any defined income to any of their statements. They don't seem to have any particular aim. And some people, you know, say it could be somewhere on the park, but quite often we look a bit disjointed and don't have a system we play to. But the communication is just, it's mind-boggling. You, you take it, the release that uh, one player's coronavirus, so everybody's left wondering who. Almost, what, 24 hours later before we know, oh, there's another 13 in- isolating. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a major thing for Celtic, but it's just completely mismanaged. The release of the information, who's involved, how, how these people were done, was it the flight? What was it? It's just, it's absolutely shocking. I mean, I'm pretty sure my, if there was an outbreak in my daughter's school class, and the class were given a project, she's, you know, second year, they could put together a better communication strategy than Celtic have. Well, the thing with that, the 13 uh, plus 2, I found out about that on Twitter, and it wasn't on Celtic's official Twitter. Uh, there was a couple of accounts. I think, I don't know if you mentioned it before, Celtic mentioned it, Natasha. I've seen it on your account. I've seen it on one of the guys from the Cynic. He came out with that as well. So you're right, it's not being managed properly. Um, and I think if you do have an opportunity to ask Peter Lowell um, any questions in relation to where we are just now, how did we get here and how do we, we move forward? I think the biggest question is on Peter Lowell himself. Because Neil Lennon... I believe was the wrong man. Now, at the time, I backed him. And this is the the frustration on my part. I backed him because he's a manager of Celtic, just like I backed the loving guys that went out last night to play for Celtic. Whoever's playing for Celtic, I'll back them. And whoever's managing them, likewise, he wouldn't have been my first choice. Of course he wouldn't. I think that the stopgap where he got us over the line after Ben and Rogers left, he was definitely the right guy for that job. He galvanised the side. And, you know, there's parallels between what he did at Celtic and what he did at Hibs. Um, But I think we're now at the stage at Celtic that it's unravelled, very much like it has at Hibs. And the only way that you can tap into the the real talent that we've got in the squad, because I don't believe that um, Callum McGregor, Orton Edward and various other players have become bad players. I mean, they can still be coached and they can still be successful. Coupled by, you know, the very fact that we had 10 players under 22 in the park at some stage last night, and that is a positive, absolutely. That could proved to be the nucleus of your team moving forward. The question for me would be, is the 10 gone? I think yes. Therefore, why not try and invest in the youth players that have now made their debut or they've maybe made 10 or in Mikey Johnson's case, maybe 60 appearances between now and the rest of the season. Let's start planning for next season. Let's look at some of these guys who Neil Lennon admitted after the Ferenc Varos game didn't want to be at Celtic. Let's see if we can move them on because there's nothing worse than an unhappy player because it breeds through the squad. It's like a bad apple. And let's just plan for next season. Would that be acceptable uh, amongst the Celtic fans, Natasha, if it was communicated properly? Yeah, you know, I think if the club came out and were honest and said, well, you know, they can't admit that the league is gone, but the fans know it is. Um, I'd say that we're now probably at a 99% ratio of fans who think that it's gone. It is. I think if the club were honest and said something along the lines of, you know, this is the time of the season now that we want to invest more in our, our youth players and give them the experience um, as part of a rebuild for next season, there's no point in us continuing to play players who either want to be away this month or are certainly going to be away in the summer. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no benefit to Celtic of continuing to play these players for the next four or five months. 
there's equally no benefit in Celtic bringing in, you know, a few players alone to try and tie this over to the end of the season, who will then perhaps leave in the summer as well, or have signed for a manager who hopefully won't be here in the summer. Um, so that leaves you with the option of, like you say, trying to bring the youth through. You know, let Welsh play at centre half. He looks fine, he looks capable. Give him four months' experience. Mm-hmm. You know, let Mikey Johnston play, let Henderson play. We might as well be giving them the next four months and utilising this four or five months rather than just having it a complete write off. And if that's our youth players getting experience, it's the only positive we can take from the next four or five months, then so be it. You know, it's better than sending them out on on a loan deal somewhere at the start of next season to get experience. Let's give them it here now because we've nothing to lose at this stage. You know, that's what I would like to see. I, I want us to start building uh, something tangible at Celtic rather than when you look at some of the transfers that were brought in. And yes, I wasn't complaining at the time, bringing in a player from AC Milan, great. Bringing in Shane Duffy, yeah, I thought it was a, a great move. El Yanusi, I liked him last season, so I could understand that as well. But rather than doing that, now that the league is you know, inevitably going to go elsewhere. Um, why not invest in youth? I think what will happen, it will be a wee bit of the backcast situation where even if Lenny wanted to do it, um, I think there'll be pressure from Peter Lowell to play some of these players. Now, there might be an issue with regards to not playing loan players because we know that there's sometimes a cost attached if you don't play the player and it's tied into the deal. Uh, but they might also say, well, we've got a £5 million strike and a Yeti, you've got to play them, like he did with Barkas, I believe. That's just me speculating. Get Barkas back in the side, he's our number one, that's why we've spent £5 million quid for him. Um, Hazard comes back in last night, it was unfortunate at the goal, I've got to say, because I thought he was playing well up to that point. Um, I looked on the BBC's website today, he was the man of the match for Celtic, um, and obviously he's been blamed for flapping, which he did for the goal, but I wouldn't write him off. I mean, you can't write him off, you've got to work with your youth. Will the, the power brokers at Celtic be looking at the fact, Natasha, that that's too risky based on the fact that we're not miles ahead of the team that's in third position and we need to go for the second Champions League place. I mean, it's crazy that they were actually talking about that, isn't it? That the, the concern is no longer trying to get into a battle for first, but our concern is avoiding thirds. Um, I think if we get the balance right, I think if we get the balance between youth and experience, then then we should have enough to, to keep us in the second spot. Um you know, we're not talking about fielding a side of reserves and youth players. We're talking about giving youth players a good chance and mixing them in with some of the more experienced players or giving them minutes rather than solely relying on them to, to secure second spot. So we're not talking about a, a complete, you know, change in squad. And I think by doing that and getting the balance right, we would have enough to, to get us the second spot. Um the issue the board might see is that they want to have these players visible. They want Edward playing games because essentially they want clubs to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to be putting some of these players in the shop window. Um, if we're, you know, if we're looking to to move them on, like Cham and Rogic, maybe Edward Ayer. You know, if we're looking to get money for them and if we're looking to showcase them to to get that money in, then we need to play them. Um, so I think the board will be balancing it from that point of view as well. You know, when you mentioned the names Ayer and Cham, um, Edward, 
probably Christie as well. Um, they're the, the the names that keep coming up in terms of guys that perhaps wanted to move on from Celtic, or indeed there was certainly interest for the likes of Ayer. Yet none of them were on the park last night, and we played a team that's sitting in fourth place, a team that you would be looking um, to be within the top four, I would guess, maybe third even, um, if the if the uh, their fortunes are turned around in the second half of the season. Yet we can compete with that team without any of these names, and I think we could probably compete with most teams in the league without any of those big names yet can you imagine the reaction of the Celtic board now selling all four of them in, in the January transfer window it would just be pandemonium um, but again you can't have it both ways Natasha so it's about, about trying to get a bit of balance um, Lawrence do you accept, expect any of the four names that I've mentioned and uh, Roderick would be the fifth actually would you expect any of these guys to move on in the January transfer window we've got 19 days left of it Five before they could even play football, those guys. Uh, well, apart from logic, they're the only one to keep higher, to be honest. Out, out of the form they've shown this season, they're the only one to keep higher. Uh, that, that's kind of been brutally honest, but saying that we've been all, all season, we've been playing t- players that haven't merited a jersey because of their form. Mm. Somehow we've still made it into the team. That only changed perhaps against Lille. And then, you know, we found the diamond formation at what? All of a sudden, Turnbull's in and Sorrell's in. I know Gavin Strachan explained it as a niggling injury in COVID. That's why it takes so long to get him in the team. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be unhappy to see any of them going. I think Eddie, he's, he's had COVID and, you know, we put, I think he gets a really easy time of it from fans just because of his potential. But his form at France under 21 level hasn't seen the supper. You, you know, it seems to be in the Celtic team. He's not going to be here. The touch is touching it. He wants to develop the future. Now, whether that's a young person or we own a Yeti, mm-hmm. you know, we own Kamala who scored goals and tries his heart out, but he's never hides in the park. I, I generally wouldn't be bothered if we sold Edward, Cham, Christy, and Logic. Right. Let, you know, we've got something to go forward with. Natasha uh, will better than me. It's a, a new employment law situation we're now in with transfers and and who could be brought in to the squad. Mm. The market we can buy from certainly smaller. Uh, January, there tends to be less movement, but do we want to kind of get ahead of the market? It's going to be really competitive in Britain in the summer. And say, well, look, this summer's market's going to be a lot harder due to, obviously, bringing foreign players in is going to be a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, you know what? <laughs> Far the Celtic board, I'm telling the agents to find a move for I would expect at least two of them so if you could find a move for them move them on when we talk about Eddie um, I think the big thing is yeah potential but also what we've seen you know, it's not just potential, we've seen it from Edward, and that's what makes it frustrating when his performances dip as they have done this season. But let's not forget, he's only 22 himself. You know, we're, we're talking about guys like Hazard, who we've maybe seen five or six appearances from just coming in. Edward's the same age, you know, and Sorrow's 22. So he's still young, and consistency, it can happen, the lack of consistency can happen to young players. It can happen to anyone, but I just think with Edward, you know, there would have been um, an uproar had we sold him in the summer of course I would it's all with hindsight you know um, but I, do, I would expect something to happen in January um, let's talk about y- your comments Natasha around Scott Brown now we all know that if you work for the company 
then you're going to have to toe the party line, right? So if you're going to get interviewed, you're, you're going to ha- you're going to be scripted. You, you know what you're going to say. So if we interview Gavin Strack and Scott Brown, it's it's consistent, and that's what happens, obviously. But when you think about Bruni, um, and he's one of the players who was there first time round for Neil Lennon, because I mean that's a hundred games now Lennon's been in charge of, albeit uh, remotely last night, and culture now. Jim Orr has said about culture that perhaps Neil Lennon didn't mean to use that word. A few others have said it. I think that has been a massive part of Celtic's problems is the culture. So you you think back using Scott Brown as an example, you think back to the time with the kebab where he's sitting on the street corner with the hood up and he's obviously had a bev. That was during the time of Ronnie Dyla. But it was a culture that Ronnie Dyla was unable to dismantle. We all know the story about the senior pros and they didn't buy into um, his view, um, his vision for Celtic, the 24-hour athlete. And generally what we've seen with Ronnie Dyla is that the younger players bought into it far more. And you, you've seen the benefits of that with Kieran Tierney, for example, um, or even Chris Ayer, I guess, and uh, Callum McGregor. So, you know, Callum McGregor made his debut under Ronnie, as we all know. So that image, coupled with the image by the poolside, with the beers, etc. Um, I, I feel it's a, it's a cultural thing, and I think that that culture, going back to what I said about the Portuguese trip when Lenny was in charge of Hibs, I don't think Lenny's got an issue with that kind of thing. The guy's bonding, the guy's going for a drink. I'm not calling him a dinosaur. I, I have utmost respect for Neil Lennon, and I said that at the top of the show, but I don't think he's got an issue with it. So you've travelled all the way to Dubai and I'm pretty sure he would have said, as Jock Steen said, when he was in charge of Celtic from time to time, at the right times, go and enjoy yourself and have a few beers. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But under the circumstances and a, you know, you know, underline at the right times, I don't think it was the right time in Dubai to do that. But what I do think it does is shines a light on the culture at Celtic. And the only way we can dismantle that culture is by bringing in a really, really strong manager. Now, Ronnie Dyla wasn't strong enough. He couldn't dis- dismantle it. Um, but Brennan Rogers was. So... We've spoken about planning for the future, Natasha, and looking at some of the, the nucleus of young players we've got there, the potential for the future. Do you think Celtic will be pushed into a situation where they do need to bring in a strong manager? Or is the issue with that strong manager going head-to-head with Peter Lowell preventing them from doing it? Well, I think we need to try. We need to go back down a Brendan Rodgers type of route. Um, the professionalism we've seen on and off the pitch compared to the Rogers years and, and now is like night and day. Um 
it's clear in all aspects that the professionalism has went backwards. You know, even the fitness has went backwards. Everything has taken a step backwards with our current management set up. So if we want to achieve what we did as a club under Rogers, if we want to achieve that going forward, then we need to start there. We need to start by bringing in a manager and a backroom squad who are capable of achieving that. Um, and whether that is someone like Eddie Hire asking them to come in and do what they need to do mm-hmm. to fix things and to rebuild and dismantle what we've got. But like you say, we need to give him the power to do that. He needs to have the say, he needs to have the authority to, to make the changes he sees fit. Um, he can't be curtailed by, by the board or by Lawwell in the same way that, that Rogers apparently was or that... Dyla was or, or anything like that. We need to have someone come in with experience um, and ability to to do the rebuilds we need, and we can't we can't afford to curtail them. We need to give them a bit of free reign to do that because it does need an overhaul um, in every aspect, and particularly what you're touching on is the culture and professionalism. Um, that has to be paramount to to getting us back to to where we we, we want the club to be. The word overhaul is exactly right and I think of the two occasions recent and recent memory where we've done that and it was Martin O'Neill and Brennan Rogers. and you look at the situation at the club before those two men come in. So Martin O'Neill comes in after the John Barnes stroke Kennedy Dalglish debacle and it was a sh- this club were a shambles. You would spend a lot of money on players who weren't up to scratch. There was disharmony within the group of players that we had and we needed someone of the stature of Martin O'Neill at that time. It was a perfect appointment at that time and I think albeit during the nine in a row era and maybe not to the same extent as the Martin O'Neill time we did need someone to come in um, and have a, an overhaul of the ideas the professionalism the culture of the club when Brennan Rodgers came in I think you know the previous season yes we had won the league we'd gone out uh, the cup to Rangers who at that point were playing in a lower division and it was quite clear looking at the the vision that Ronnie Dyla had that it hadn't quite got through to the senior players at that stage and quite a few of them had spoken about it so you needed that overhaul Lawrence do you think we're at the stage where we do need an overhaul we do need someone of the stature uh, or the strength of an O'Neill or a Rodgers to come in now and, and completely turn things around again for Celtic I, I think it's a bigger overhaul I think the way the club structure needs to change if you're ready how the first calls you're going to make it to Brendan Rodgers and Martin O'Neill what didn't work at Celtic you know, it's good when you first go there, then Peter Lowe starts to get involved. We don't get the first choice transfers. Even Lenny's first time around, who knows where he left because of Peter's interference. So, if we can keep changing managers and have them reading for, reading for the same reason, it's, it's, if every manager's get, get a problem with, with the CEO going, he interferes, he doesn't deliver your top transfer targets. And even this season, you know, the top tar- transfer targets, Fraser Foster. Right, we'll put it down to Fraser, I didn't want to come back. So only if well, we spent the same amount of money in a jetty, mm-hmm. we so we got second choice for the same price the first choice went for. But how is that possible? You know, it's, it, it wasn't out of, of reach financially. Omar Coley at Sampdoria, you get that for him. You, you, you know, you got, there's something structurally wrong with the way the football department's run. And it is that the CEO seems to get too involved with it. Mm-hmm. And any manager can win. Is he going to put up with that? And I think probably Lenny made a mistake when he came back. If you remember, John Kennedy was appointed assistant manager before we had a manager. The 
what does that say to anyone coming in? Well, we don't know how the manager's going to be, but we know he was assistant. So how's we know the manager's going to work with that? So look, I think Lenny's coming, you know, he's almost fine with one hand tied behind his back. We're not allowed with top transfer targets. He doesn't get pick his back from staff. And any other manager, we're just going to ask him to do the same. Or perhaps we get the Rogers effect. We give you carte blanche. He gets it for one year. We're successful again. Season book sales are up. And then Peter goes, you know what? I'm going to get involved again. Where are we? We've now got a, a manager that's not happy. Within a season or two, we're looking for a new manager. You know the point you make there? Yeah, it does. And the point you make there about the uh, the coaching staff around Neil Lennon, we know he didn't you know, appoint them. Um, and the same situation uh, was there when Ronnie Dyla was at Celtic because he certainly didn't know John Collins. So um, I think that's an issue. Brennan Rogers didn't stand for that from day one. And that's what comes with appointing a manager who's at a different level to the potential that we've seen in Ronnie Dyla, the returning prodigal son of, of Neil Lennon, who, you know, between his two spells at Celtic, hadn't gone away and improved his CV, I don't think. I mean, you can point to certain areas of his time at Hibs as being successful, sure, but I don't think he improved his CV between his two tenures at Celtic. So I, I do think it comes to that point, Lawrence, but I take your point on board, and that is the whole reason why we're talking. Is it time that we need to talk about Peter? Um, do we need to talk about Peter Lowe and his future at the club? And indeed, Natasha, is that the whole reason why we're not making a change? Because obviously any incoming CEO will want to be part of that process. Well, that could be quite right. Um, And of course, it has to start with Peter. You know, if he finds what we're going through right now is acceptable, then he's not the right man for the job. We need someone who has higher ambitions for the club than this. Um, Because if he sees us as a club who compete for, you know, first or second every year, Europe's a bonus, um, downsize, save money, downsize, save money. If that's who he sees us going for the next five, ten years, then he's not the right man for the job. He's had far longer a CEO than most companies would, would certainly permit. And we need a new vision because this, the direction the club is going in is not what the fans want for it. Um, and that stems from him. It has to. So if we're talking about an overhaul and making changes, then it has to start with him. We have to have someone come in whose vision is more aligned with what the fans want. Because he's not understanding that right now. Because if he is, then he's, then he's making changes and he's not doing that. So he's, he's not understanding the feeling of the fans. No, definitely is not. Now, what I will do is have a look. As I say, we've been extremely busy with uh, Celtic fans looking to air their views over the last several weeks, actually. But let's have a look at some of the comments coming in. First of all, Chris1980 on YouTube. So we are now for us. A shambles from top to bottom and the whole club needs a complete restructure, which is exactly uh, the point of discussion today, Chris. I even seen another Chris talking about it yesterday in Chris Sutton. Now, Chris Sutton obviously has a, a friendship with Neil Lennon, ex-teammates. And in actual fact, when I interviewed Neil Lennon three years ago, Chris Sutton was also there. And they are quite clearly uh, close. But if Chris Sutton wants to have any credibility, obviously, in the, me- in, in the media, he needs to speak his mind. And I think he did that yesterday. And he was holding responsible Neil Lennon and Peter Lowell. Um, again, it was very strong words, Natasha, but very balanced from Chris Sutton. Did you agree with him? Yeah, absolutely. It was completely fair. I thought he was spot on with absolutely everything he said. And there is someone who gets how the fans are feeling um, and articulating it quite correctly. Um, 
we are annoyed, we're disillusioned. Um, we've never felt more detached from the club. And the decisions that have been made, certainly around Dubai, have done nothing to help that. In fact, they've made it, you know, a hundred times worse. We, we sat here last Tuesday and we said the only way of justifying or excusing or explaining the Dubai trip would be to come back and go on this great run of form that supposedly comes after a trip like that and it'd be the catalyst for the rest of the season. The decision making around that has been so bad that not only is it not the catalyst for the rest of the season, it really is the final nail in the coffin, which has a lot of nails in it by now, but I think this is definitely the final one. Um, and that he's right, that does lie on Walwell and Lennon and they have to take some ownership of that. Mm. No, you're, you're for change though, you know, because Dermot Desmond, yep. it's all over, all over the world, it's, news. it's all over Ireland. But mm-hmm. if Desmond wasn't taking notice before, but he's getting flack in the press in Ireland, he's going to take notice. So it could okay. be the catalyst for the structural change. Yeah, I mean, it sometimes surprises me that, that the name of Roy Keane crops up every time you start speaking about a possible replacement because I just don't think that he is the stature of manager that we require. You look about a culture, what culture would he instil at Celtic? Yeah, he's a disciplinarian, but look at his lack of success as a manager. He's only managed 181 games and very few of them are in the top league in England. So for me, he's got the Celtic connection, he's got the Irish connection. Yes, ticks those boxes, but we need something much better in terms of the calibre of the manager so I love watching Roy Keane as a pundit I think that's his forte now I don't think Roy Keane is a manager of Celtic Football Club and that's what we need Eddie Howe's name has been uh, mentioned time and time again I, you know the thing is Lawrence you mentioned there about word spreading as it inevitably does around the world of football in terms of what type of club um, are Celtic to work for as a manager and then the question would be around how is Peter Lowell to work for uh, but th- there's got to be a balance now, I'm not sitting here and saying that Brennan Rodgers was all right. I'm pretty sure he pushed the envelope knowing what the parameters were, but he pushed it anyway because that's the type of guy he is. So it's not blameless on Brennan Rodgers' side, but there has to be some come and go in this day and age when it comes to football. You can't have a wish list and expect every transfer signing, for example. There has to be some budgetary constraints, particularly moving in to whatever we're moving into next season. So, Lawrence, when you're looking at, and I know that you're a massive Lenny fan, I'm a massive Lenny any fan you know don't take that away from me I, I love Neil Lennon I just don't think he's the man for Celtic moving forward if you concede that the 10 is gone Lawrence and that Neil Lennon perhaps will move on because I know last week you said perhaps he will be the manager next year who would you be looking at? I think we've got to, to, to go top uh, maybe outside of Britain you know there's been a lot of former managers had success in the Premiership down south the right CEO and structure in and say to manager, look, this is short window territory for you. Let's be honest, what was it, nine million we got from Rogers and his team? Mm-hmm. If someone comes up here, we should still have the biggest budget in Scottish football. You know, the, the boy that was at the event is and nearly was at the he's still free. XPSG managers just at a job, he's still free. You, we've got to kind of, I think, aim for the stars. You know, when Lenny was appointed in the showers, if we actually believe that happened, surely, surely it didn't happen enough. It's just a, a throwaway line. Uh, but if Benitez's CD was in there, or if he was available, then we didn't speak to him. It, 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 it's just mind-boggling to think you wouldn't speak to the best available on the market. 
you know, if we, you know, they're still what, 19 days because it's January we were promised the review. Perhaps Dermot's review is still ongoing. But if the outcome of the review is that Peter and Neil are going to move on and that we're going to change the structure of the club, perhaps then it becomes more interesting to managers. Because right now, any manager come in, they're going to phone Brendan and Mark. And I hope that Dermot's phoning Brendan and Martin as well and saying, look guys, what was it that went wrong? You know, when you're, you're talking about managers sounding out the club, obviously they will, particularly at the highest level. Surely Peter Lobel, um, at his level, Natasha, and the success that he's had on a financial level at Celtic, so let's not take that away from the club. I mean, the club is particularly well run in a financial sense to such a degree that, you know, we will get through this pandemic financially will be okay um, I'm pretty sure Peter Law will sell this season as being on the coaching staff and the manager I mean we backed Neil Lennon we gave him the funds we brought in international players um, yet it didn't work so I think there will be a way around that although I take your point Lawrence about being put off Benitez is an interesting one for me because I got some information last week about Benitez actually which makes me pretty certain that uh, of two things. Firstly, that Neil Lennon wasn't appointed in the shower. But secondly, that we did look at and pursue some of the applications that came in. Now, Benitez is interesting because people say, well, look at his uh, salary in China. But there is a, such a thing as ambition in football. Now, Slavin Bilic is in China at the moment. Uh, the Chinese Super League. You try to tell me that in six months if a Premier League club in England came in for him he wouldn't leave because he would. And he might be taking a drop in salary but he wants to be in a top league surely. And I think every manager is the same. So if you're uh, no disrespect to the Chinese Super League it's cash rich but if you're managing there and a club who has the potential to be playing in the Champions League next season approaches you someone like Rafa Benitez Natasha is that something is that the kind of level we should be looking at? It's the kind of level I want to be looking at. Um, and you're quite right. Those guys aren't going to stay in China forever. You know, they're not seeing that as the rest of their career. They're seeing it as, you know, I assume a bit of time, make some money. And why not? Why not? Well, you know, there's nothing too much for them over here. Go over there for a season, maybe to make enough money to last the rest of your life and then actually come back and achieve something, you know, in football. Um, again, no disrespect to the Chinese Super League, um, but that can't be where they see the rest of their careers being. And like you say, the Premier League is enough to entice them back over. What Celtic need to do is make ourselves an attractive, as an attractive opportunity as possible so that we can entice a manager like that back over. Um, sounds pretty difficult to do, to be honest, in the current position, but I don't see why we can't. You know, why we can't put our hands in our pocket and offer them uh, a competitive salary not competitive with the Chinese Super League of course but a, a competitive salary and the chance to work with a big budget a good squad a massive fan base and a club that's competing for the Champions League um, that surely has to be attractive to someone who wants to still achieve in football even if they see it as a stepping stone back to England um, so I don't see any harm in being over ambitious and, and aiming for managers like that I would agree with that. Now, Paul Forrester, YouTube, welcome to the show, Paul. Who'd have thought that during this 10-in-a-row campaign, Ronnie Dyler would come out as the only good guy through it all? I can see what he's saying there, because obviously people were left with a bad taste in their mouth over Brennan Rogers. I still think, though, I've got to say, I still think, you know, Neil Lennon, uh, we look at him as 
the whole package. We look at the 20 year involvement with the club, what he did as a player, what he has achieved as a manager, and also what, and I take this on board, what he has gone through just to play for Celtic in relation to everything that's happened off the park as well. Lawrence, is that a big fear for Lenny? that he's tarnishing his reputation if so would it be an option for Lenny maybe to move on himself and make that decision I, I think uh, just never doing that through the optics of this season only but most people are doing Lenny's I, I think you know a couple of years down the line I don't think he's I think his re- reputation when he starts as a legend is, is going to be intact I don't think that perhaps that the same kind of anger or blame will be attached to him but, you know it's 20 years the guy had to live under arm protection. He was got bombs and bullets sent through the post there. He was getting attacked at Tynecastle, which apparently wasn't a crime, according to Edinburgh jury. But, you know, I, I think Lenny's going to always be a legend for his 20 years at Celtic. You said that I touched what makes that you think, uh, I said, Lenny could still be here next season, you know, unless Dermot Desmond acts. <laughs> Let's not forget, they're saying he's got to act, but. Uh, I think Collins was saying after Ferran uh, Farris that there had to be some action. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what, 12th of January. A lot of have been saying that there's got to be some action. It's, it is much more saying Peter Long, you've got to go, the guy that really calls the shots is Dermot Desmond, isn't it? You know, he's the only guy that can believe Peter Long of his duties and instruct the, the structural change. If Dermot decides he's staying, he's staying, and it's it's, I suppose the big focus is what you're going to do there. Uh, we know he's stepped in in the past. He tried to get Alex Ferguson before, which was huge at the time. Mm-hmm. Probably the best manager in world football. He stepped in for Martin O'Neill. He stepped in for Brendan Rodgers. Uh, surely at some point he's going to realise why, why do I have to keep getting so involved if, you know, every five years or so I'm, I'm having to get involved to make these big changes because the guy that's running the company for me isn't running it sufficiently well. I get that we're profitable. We've won 15 out of the last 20 leagues. The ones we didn't, when it's documented, the other team are cheating. It's, but at some point, then it's got to get a wee bit annoyed. Going, look, I keep sorting this problem out and pointing the right managers. I'll leave it to you. A few years later, you lose them. You then pick managers that don't hit the heights. We get a bit disgruntled. There's symptoms on the park of it. Not a badly performing team. It then gets to such a point that I need to step in again. At what point would anyone be allowed to keep their job if your boss kept having to step in and sort out your problems? It's going to be the devil's advocate here. And I'm the guy that's criticising Peter Lowell a great deal on this podcast. I would say that, that the football side of it is one department of, um, you know, what. Dermot Desmond is looking at there, Lawrence. And I think that, you know, again, if Peter Lobel was asked to justify his existence and justify his position, he could do so on a financial level. And I think that's where that comes in. The big problem for me is his involvement in the football side. So when you're talking about a structural change, then you're looking perhaps at someone who is specifically a director of football. Now, that doesn't mean to say that they're picking the team. Obviously, it doesn't. But you would much rather Peter Lobel stuck to what he was good at. And he is good at it. I mean, we're a very well-run club. We're financially secure, and we have been, and we've made a lot of money. And you know, the player sales, although I think that's changing in terms of how we have a recruitment strategy to make money after three, that is going to change. I just think you know, Peter Lowell needs to stick to what he's good at, um, and then we need to change the structure. And that structural changes that buffer as a director of football, not a head of recruitment. 
that comes into recruitment, comes into the director of football's criteria and what they need to achieve. But I think that to, to be the devil's advocate there, Lawrence, and just you know, rather than just dive on Peter Lowell, um, I think that's the reason why he's been in the job so long. Joseph Aitken, I can't see a big gesture from uh, DD this time. All gestures before were to get the 10. That is over. I think we will get hit with a mediocre manager and told it's a three to five year plan. So doom and gloom, just when we were trying to be positive as well, <laughs> Natasha. And Terry Tibbs, who is always welcome on the show, one of the best avatars I've seen. Who is a sniper? What he means by that is we actually have somebody on moderation duties on YouTube so um, all those dodgy comments that have been coming through and it's difficult to keep up with them uh, because they're all getting filtered onto my screen they're being sniped by all accounts so yeah we're keeping it clean which is great uh, what's your thoughts Natasha on that then Peter Lowell um, be the devil's advocate he's obviously got quite a lot right yeah, I, you know, I can see it on paper as well. If I was him and if I was trying to justify what I've done in my job in this season, you know, I would point to the fact that he gave Lennon what he asked for. You know, he let him keep his best players. He let him keep Edward and Cham and Ayer. He brought back El Yunusi. He signed this big centre half that we wanted and Shane Duffy. He got a new left back in that, you know, had good pedigree. He spent £5 million on a goalkeeper. You know, if I was him, I'd be pointing to all that and saying, you know, look, I, I gave you what you were looking for. I let you sign the players the scouts identified. And is it really on Lawwell that the scouting process has identified the players that it did and that the coaching and the management and the background team haven't managed to get the squad to play? I mean, mm-hmm. on paper, that squad should be winning the league. Yeah. Is it really on Lawwell that they're not? It's, it's interesting. We've kept all our top players. I mean, that that's a massive thing. We, we expected maybe I or maybe Edward. Well, we've kept them all. So we've kept them all. Not only that, we've strengthened. The only player, obviously, we know this, uh, who was a big loss, was Forster. And Lowell might argue that he tried his best to get him. The player decided not to come up. So absolutely, I'm trying to be as balanced as, as possible about it. But the structural change is required because it's just it's been so dysfunctional this season and Jungle Line comes in with a point I'm going to throw this one over to yourself Lauren and see if you've got any knowledge of this because you know the the, the final um, few weeks of Neil Lennon's time first time round shrouded in a little bit of mystery I don't think it's ever been a hundred percent stapled down as to why I left it was strange timing I didn't see it coming I've got to say uh, there's been suggestions that he had ambitions elsewhere he thought he could maybe get a job down south which he eventually did maybe know the level that he expected but Jungle Lion comes in and Jungle Lion is uh, a regular contributor so welcome back uh, didn't Lennon leave first time round because Lowell told him that Ronnie was to be his new number two now that's interesting because we know the trouble that uh, Neil Lennon had with some of his backroom team who fell out with the club and probably have still fallen out with the club. And I mean Alan Thompson because he's come out on Twitter and said that, you know, him and Lowell obviously fell out because Tomo lost his job. Any truth in that rumour? I don't know if it, uh, certainly rumours of Lowell interference, I don't know if it was that Ronnie was going to be his number two. If he had actually stepped in and said, right, I'm going to start picking number two number three uh, or, or whatever but yeah when he left because he was unhappy with the relationship with the CEO you know, it's I don't I think that was it's, I think it's fairly common knowledge but again you're saying well Wall can point to you know he's done a good performance yeah but something you've got to acknowledge it's time for change and 
saying that they kept our players, well, how many bids did we knock back? Did they have a bid for Ayer? Did they have a concrete bid? I know Celtic want 30 million for Edward. Why have we put a price on him if he's not for sale? Uh, we got our targets in, did we really? Like the champ playing for Foster, but it's on it. We bought a jet for the same money. Yet again, we didn't buy players until we're out of the Champions League. It's season after season, we can't get players in in time. Yeah, that's when true. That's true. They caught what, a couple of options in the way. Wins, we didn't get them. They wanted all my colleague. They got Shane Duffy, so he wanted a fast centre half that could sweep. We've got Shane Duffy who is, can't sweep and isn't fast. It's, you, you, you know, for, for as much as all the go, well, God, those, well, those aren't the first choices. And it's what Brendan Rodgers said. I wouldn't be surprised if John McGinn wasn't the first time that uh, Celtic's transfers hadn't worked. And, and mm. did we know that Puccini it didn't work? He actually arrived in Glasgow expecting to sign, only to find a, a restructured deal. For as much as we can say he's good and financially he's run it well, it's only financially well run as long as people buy season books. And that's why Dermot had to step in and get Brendan. He needed a big name manager to sell season books. Right. So, no, that's a good link. It's a good link. Big name manager. Here's a big name, Wayne Rooney. Would I have him as a manager at Celtic? No chance. Absolutely no chance. I just feel that we can fall into the trap sometimes, Natasha, of going for profile uh, over the actual fibre of the manager. And an appointment like Rooney would be just that. Now, people might say, uh, you know, but Stephen Gerrard hadn't managed before he went to Rangers and he's about to win the league. Yeah, but it's taken him three seasons. You know, so I don't think Wayne Rooney or anyone of that ilk is the right man. And I've seen the reports this morning. And by the way, I think it's great that, that Rooney's got a soft spot for Celtic and he buys his kids the Celtic top and all that. That's brilliant. But uh, I, I think it's too much of a gamble for a manager's job. We need stability as much as anything. And I know that nothing in football is uh, a certainty. But I think if you go for a statutory manager, um, some of the names that you've mentioned, Eddie Howe, Rafa Benitez, and you get criticised for saying Benitez, but I, I don't think he's beyond Celtic. I really don't think he's beyond what we could achieve. And I also think because of where we are, it's going to take that to get the season ticket books renewed. Now, I've, I started off the show, Natasha, by saying that is it time for the club to engage with us? How do you think they can under the circumstances? Is it just a kind of platform like this? Um, I mean, they could organise a series of engagement um, events, but it couldn't be in person, obviously. And how much do you get from that? Now, someone's raised the point that um, when he was doing the rounds, when Peter Law was doing the rounds, Kevin Graham talks about this, as does Colin Watt, because they were at some of the events. They were trying to sell the fans the idea that Neil Lennon was a gaffer. This was first time round. And they had to go to supporters clubs. Some of the supporters club hadn't seen an official representative of Celtic in some time. But we were out there basically trying to sell the idea that Neil Lennon was a manager. And he went and engaged, but there was a, a famous or infamous incident in Ireland where he was completely owned by quite a well-known uh, chap over there who uh, helps to, if not, run a supporters club and brings loads of Celtic fans over from Ireland. So he can be challenged and toppled almost in terms of uh, not having the answers. Um, and I think it would be good to challenge him on behalf of the Celtic fans. Maybe it won't be me, maybe it'll be another platform, but I think he needs to engage, especially when you look at the fact, and I don't know the figures of all the Celtic pods out there, I keep an eye on our figures, obviously, but a million 
of an audience in December, 100,000 almost yesterday. We were in the top 10 of 20 different countries in the iTunes chart in 2020. I mean, you are going to engage with a lot of Celtic fans. Is this the platform for it, Natasha? I think so. Um, why not? I can't think of any better way of doing it. Um, other ways haven't worked. Their statements aren't correspondence with the fans. That's not communicating with the fans. That's giving a one-sided narrative. So I don't buy into that at all. So that's not how you do it. The SLO is, that's an impossible task for one man to, to feed back an opinion of hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of Celtic supporters across the world. That's an impossible task for one person to do. Um, we saw at the AGM, the questions piped in and then Lawwell's recorded answers. To me, that's no better than than a statement. You know, that's choosing the questions you want to answer and recording, you know, uh, just another one-sided statement. So if they are serious about communicating with the fans and trying to get a bit of engagement back, which I'm not sure they are, um, but if they are, then it needs to be a platform like this. Um mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of any any better way of doing it than than coming on and, and doing an interview here. If it's not live and the questions have to be vetted, you know, I'm sure there could be some allowances made. But if they're serious about trying to get the fans back on side, they need to communicate better. They need to be more open and honest with us. And I can't think of a better way than coming on here and and doing an interview. Well, another request was made this morning, so I will keep everybody updated on that. I'm just going to throw a few names that have come in into the mix, see what you think. We have had Steve Bruce, Stevie Clark, Eddie Howe, Mark Hughes, who's someone we have discussed quite a few times on the show, Yogi Hughes, who has just taken over at Ross County. Any of those names do you see will be in the frame at Celtic? We've mentioned Eddie Howe. No, I think it, for me, realistically, um, or potentially the only one I'd like out of that list would be Eddie Howe. I just wonder if the club are going to take it in a slightly different direction, if we are going to go down this big overhaul that, that we think we are, and perhaps modernising it, you know, go down the route that some of the bigger European clubs are doing, and have, you know, a head coach with a with a director of football to deal with the business side of things above that. Um and if we are looking at the restructure and what we want to achieve for the club, then maybe that is a better way of doing it. Um, and, and we go down that route. Um, even, you know, if you're looking at your head coach as someone like Chris Davies, Damien Duff, um, with a with a director of football above that, completely different route to go down. But is it one that we, we would write off? I, I don't know. I think it might work. Um, it certainly would be interesting to consider. Um but yeah, in terms of a manager outright on his own, then yeah, maybe maybe Eddie Howe in that list for me, but the others I think aren't at the level or capability of, of managing the team to where we want them to be as a club going forward in the next five, ten years. Now, by the, by the time we speak again, we'll have uh, faced uh, an informed Livingston side on Saturday. Uh, Natasha, keep uh, a hold of any positives that come through between now and then, and we'll discuss them next week. Um, but all that's left for me to say is thank you both very much for joining us once again on the back of a disappointing night for Celtic. Uh, thank you to Lawrence Conley and Natasha Meikle for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.